0: hello and welcome to the homeschooling and loving it podcast i'm your host jamie your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life so grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie with homeschool.com. And I want to welcome you to our series this month entitled You Can Homeschool High School. And during this series, we'll be chatting with experienced homeschool parents and other experts on high school homeschooling. And so we're doing all of this so that you, our listeners, can see that it is possible to homeschool high school and to do it well. And to help you do that, we want to remind you that we've completely updated our high school section on homeschool.com, and it's full of practical tools to help you homeschool high school on a budget. In fact, we've created ebooks, guides, tools, and even printables for all walks of homeschooling life. But before we really get into our topic today, I want to introduce Jean Burke. Jean is the author of the book College Prep Genius, as well as the founder of the website collegeprepgenius.com, which covers all aspects of preparing your homeschool student well to enter the world of higher education. Jean, we're so glad you could join us. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I I just want to mention to our listeners that I met Jean um, in person at a homeschool convention last year, the day that the our whole nation kind of closed up we went into lockdown for the pandemic but i did want to say that i have known known of Jean for quite some time and actually i was given her amazing book when my oldest child was in high school and so i read her book and it really prepared us well to graduate our oldest daughter which i was scared to death about And she went on to university, was able to graduate from university debt-free, and all of that because of a lot of the tips that Jean had given in her book. So today we're going to touch on those things. And we know that so many homeschooling parents are talking about homeschooling high school because they're concerned. They're worried that they can do it, that they have the ability, and that they can prepare their student well enough. But hopefully after today's conversation with Jean, everybody will have the confidence. And so Jean's book addresses this issue. She encourages homeschool students to begin college prep sooner rather than later. And so Jean, can you share some recommendations on how we can prepare our high
1: school students for college? Yes, I I can. And I'm really excited because you know, we've taught tens of thousands of students on how to do this, even how to get free college as, as your student did. But one of the things I think is important for us as parents is first of all, stop fearing. Uh, believe me, I, I, as a homeschooling parent myself, I remember thinking, I, I don't know anything. And, you know, did a lot of research. And one of the things I realized is that homeschoolers tend to be more informed than your actual public or private school parent. And that is because they tend to rely On their guidance counselors, who I have many friends are counselors who are tend to be very overwhelmed, and they have a lot on their plate, and they're sometimes one counselor to five hundred kids, and so these parents have this trust that well they're going to really walk them through to get them into college when in reality a guidance counselor is main job is to get them out of high school, Mm -hmm. and so. Uh, as a homeschooling parent, you can do this. I mean, if we can do it, you can do it. And we got free college. But one of the things as a, a, I think is to consider is that when your kids are planning for their, their high school curriculum is have them take the most rigorous courses that they can handle. I think that's going to pay off. I think sometimes, you know, you've got kids that are like, oh, I don't think I'm going to go to college. I don't know. Well, just assume that they're going to change their mind. You you don't want to get to the senior year and all of a sudden a kid who's just kind of did the very basics says, oh, mom, by the way, I think I want to be an engineer. And you're like, wait, whoa, wait, we got, we have to find another science and another math somewhere that we have to squeeze in. So kind of assume that they're going to be that way uh, and and go that path. Uh, But I think uh, the courses are important because it really does prepare them as far as uh, them being able to have, a, you know, a, a plan, a daily plan, doing your math, your science, your English and all of that. And I, I think that our kids uh, it's a, it really need to be, get organized. You know, I'm a big believer in the two calendar system, teaching our kids to, you know, you have a hard copy calendar and a digital calendar just to keep track of okay when is my research paper due you know when do i have this certain homework due and i think that's going to really help them and carry them over to the into the college years uh, plus the fact that knowing what uh, admissions counselors are looking for and by the way admissions counselors are looking for homeschoolers they are actually coveting them because you know i've done this for a long time and they're saying to me hey we love homeschoolers because they're more mature. They've got good study habits. We don't have to babysit them. It's not the 13th year to them. And so they're they're looking for those students who they know will not only graduate, uh, but hopefully graduate with honors and maybe ultimately become a supporting alumni. Because as it stands right now, only about one third of students who actually enroll in college will actually graduate. And so if you know what they're looking for, what an admissions counselor is looking for, you can fill in all that information while they're in high school. It's good
0: information. And I love that fact uh, that counselors are looking for homeschool students. I've, we've run into that specifically with our own kids and they'll go into college classes and they will have all these peers their same age around them who are just taking it all so lightly, not studying, you know, failing out and my kids will come home and be like, "Mom, what is their problem?" I'm like, "Well, it's just just like you said. It's their thirteenth year of high school. <laughs> They're just not ready to embrace it, and um, that level of maturity is sometimes just not there." So,
1: well, the other thing too is that the way it stands right now, uh, about a quarter of students will drop out of, of college after the freshman year. About fifty percent will drop out after the sophomore year. And what's happening is these kids, and, and the two main reasons are that students are not used to the workload. Number one, they've been breezing through high school and barely cracking a book. So they don't understand that there might be four, five, six hours of homework per class per day. And then the other reason, of course, is the finances. And so I think they're going in very unprepared. You know, we know that in an eight hour day at a school, they're getting so little teaching and still coming home with hours of homework that it doesn't even compare to probably an average homeschool day that you and I would give our kids. I mean, they, my kids have some really hard classes and yeah. I think they both graduated with somewhere around 44 credits. Not big. And I, I wasn't into that graduating them early kind of thing. I, if I didn't send them to public school, I definitely wasn't going to send them to college at 16 or 15. Um, they need to, to grow a lot. So I, I think that that is a, As a homeschooling parent, um, you know, people like you and me and many, many people before me have really paved the way so that you can actually do it. You can do this thing. And here's an interesting statistic. It's, and I've I've got several um, uh, references on this, but as many as 40% of people are not going to return to a school system once this pandemic is all said and done. Yeah. And it's and the, what's interesting to me about it, it and this is from a 3.3% of homeschoolers to nearly 40% are not going back. Right. And the thing about it I found interesting is not so much even the safety aspects of it, you know, with the pandemic and all that. It's more the fact that they saw their kids thriving. They saw a light, these light bulbs coming on for these kids because here they were in an environment, a safe environment where there wasn't peer pressure or bullying. Um, they felt... Like, I, you know, I can get ahead. I'm not held back. Or if they were behind in school, they had that opportunity to catch up. And then more importantly, parents were looking and sitting in their living room. Now school all of a sudden was in right in front of their couch. And they saw a lot of things going on that they were not happy about, that their kids were being indoctrinated. So the fact that not only existing homeschoolers, you know, are, you know, may be fearing high school, even the new homeschoolers. And, we, and then when I mean homeschool, I don't mean e-learning by your teacher. I mean, an actual where, you know, you and I know it's where parents sets the schedule and picks the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot more people. And so uh, I'm here to say you you can do this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep.
0: I agree. We can. All right. So you also mentioned cost just a minute ago. And I think that is another top of mind, really huge concern for a lot of parents as they're homeschooling in high school, uh, no matter you know, which way they do it. If they're mixing in dual credit or taking CLEP tests, they're concerned about the cost of college. Um, and it is, it it seems like it's getting more and more expensive every day. Um, so I know there are some wonderful tips that you have. I've seen them in your book. I've seen them on your website. Um, so if you can take a minute and share with our listeners, some practical things that they can do to just have that, uh, mindset and prepare their high schoolers
1: for maybe some ways they can save money in the future. Absolutely. Well, one of the things, as you just touched on, is college has gone up 600 percent in the last 25 years and it takes the average student somewhere around 20, 21 years to pay off college debt. So it's a lousy investment. If you have to spend years paying off something that you did in four years. And, you know, we just finished up an election year and you often hear politicians talking about, Oh, free college, free college, free college. Hey, I've got good news for you. There's already free college. Mm-hmm. And I am excited. And some of the things that you can be doing, you know, as a parent, uh, when you're looking into, uh, getting your college paid for getting lots of scholarship money is, and, and I'm, Got so many ideas in my head running, swirling around. Uh, a couple things is one thing that t- came to the top of my mind right now is there's a an organization called Modern States, yeah. um, and you can and you're familiar with that where you can actually get your whole freshman year for free, where you can take classes from Yale professors and Harvard, and it's a it's a great program. Uh, and if you're uh, just because if you don't want to go to a full university the first year or you work full time. It's a great place to get started. It's completely free. Uh, There's tests are paid. You have to pay for the test. If you're military, the tests are free. You can even get help on those as well. But also, um, there's a lot of schools that are called Hard Work You. And it's basically where, uh, like, like, uh, not just the College of the Ozarks. That's one of them. The Brea College, you know, and there's several of them. But it's where your child can actually work and get their tuition and everything paid for. They don't hire janitors. They don't hire cooks. Some of them have dairies and everybody works. And so it's, you have skin in the game. Um, there's uh, colleges that have huge endowment money that you can actually, as long as you can get in, it's completely paid for. Um, one of the key things I think is if you've got to find out your income because there's need-based aid and then there's a uh, merit-based aid. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're in that low income, 40 to 65,000, uh, which is what most colleges will consider low income, um, and you have a high test score, you can get free college to the top 25% of colleges. Now, if you're in what we call stuck in the middle, the middle class, middle to high class, um, you, if you will find schools that, ha- that your child's stats are in the top 75 percentile, that's where all the big merit money is. And so it really makes a difference on, you know, just kind of your starting point, because there's free college for everybody. And you just have to know where you're at. Um, there's uh, there's colleges that are nearly free. There's colleges that are half free. Um, just, you know, like you say, Clepping and Dante and uh, dual credit are some ways to get, you know, college money as well. And so I think is first start out where you're at. and um, Uh, something that's very interesting too, that I I don't know if your viewers know this or not, but there are some times that you should never, ever fill out a scholarship application. And when is that? That is when you are considered low income. By the way, Stanford considers $140,000 low income. Is that crazy? Wow. Even Harvard has a thing called grading scale tuition, where if you make between 120 and $160,000, you only have to pay 10% to go to Harvard. So if you make 120000 you got to pay 12000 That's cheaper than junior college. Now, you still have to get in and have the right test score and all that. Um, but that's an opportunity that a lot of people don't know about. But one of the things is that you have to, um, uh, w- when you're looking into scholarships, like a lot of people will fill that scholarship applications. Nothing wrong with that. But just know that if you are in that low income bracket uh, based on your EFC, then do not fill out any scholarship applications because um, you have to first make sure the college does what's called uh, scholarship stacking. That is where they add all your scholarships together um, and, and and they all accrue and you can use them all. But if you go to more of a need-based uh, uh, aid college, Then let's say your child filled out lots of applications and won $50,000 in scholarship money, but then the college um, uh, doesn't uh, stack scholarships. Then they do what's called scholarship displacement, and they'll subtract that $50,000 from all that money that they were going to give you. So it didn't do you any good to do all that. So you want to make sure that before you get started.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. I had never heard about that or the Stanford and Harvard information. That's good stuff. So we did a lot of that that you've mentioned with our own children. Of course, I think the the biggest thing was working on some dual enrollment and CLEP. That really helped us to some degree. I think most, it helped us most in the area of just getting them prepared for the mindset of college, you know, the higher level work and, and things like right. that. So um Financially, I mean, it just gives you a little bit of edge. It gives you a few extra credits, but you know, mine didn't graduate early like you had mentioned about yours either. Uh, but we did take the ACT and SAT. And so I've seen how that can affect what colleges do award your students. And I know here in our state of Georgia, um, if you take the SAT, ACT, and I'm not very familiar with the CLT, I think that's kind of the new, new guy on the scene. Um, My kids have done the other two and we took them frequently until we got a score that was within our state's scholarship, merit-based scholarship for our state. And in Georgia, it's lovely because um, there's one tier where you can have a little bit lower test score and you still get most of your college paid for. But then when you get into the upper tier They call it the Zell Miller Scholarship, and you Mm -hmm. get everything paid for. Um, So it was pretty amazing. Can you tell us more how these test scores can really influence how we can save in college?
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's what I've been doing for 17 years is teaching kids on how to beat SATs and ACTs, CLTs, PSATs, and I could go on and on about the other tests that people have used my program on. But one of the things is, is this. Uh, that people all people don't know is that is colleges get their national rankings based on test scores, so the higher the score, the more money you get because you raise their rankings up. so when you raise their rankings up they're willing to give you you know full ride and free tuition and all this amazing perks uh, just because of the fact that that's how they get they get more funding the higher their rankings go and a 4.0 at one high school is not the same at another. Mm-hmm every school calculates their scores differently and so do we as homeschoolers so the only fair way that a college can compare a homeschooler in georgia versus a private school in texas versus a public school in california is a test like an sat or act because it levels the playing field because your students like mine probably took some really hard classes and had a certain gpa but the guy down the street had easy teachers at an easy school and he had the same GPA. So on paper, they look the same. So you have to have some kind of numerical component that's common to all applicants. And that's why they use a test score like an SAT or ACT, rankings and leveling the playing field. And, and, and you know, even during the pandemic um, last year, and kind I guess we're still kind of in it, um, is the fact that the, a lot of schools weighed that But if you still wanted scholarship money, you had to get some kind of score in. And of course, I was letting everybody know about the the CLT because all the colleges were accepting it in lieu of all the cancellations because they were already being remotely proctored. Uh, And like their enrollment went up like a thousand percent a week. But uh, that's the thing is a test score is tied directly to your scholarship money. And when you know that and by the way, it's a game. You got to play the game. Um, I not necessarily agree with it. But I didn't make up the rules, and that's how we ended up getting free college, uh, throwing away thousands and thousands of offers, you know, over a year's period of full ride, free tuition, room and board, grad school, honors dorm, study abroad stipend, spending cash. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and then, you know, with my kids, people were going, calling me, going, "How'd you get free college?" And I'm like, "Well, we a little of this and a little of that." And anyway, that's how I got started, you know, over 17 years ago. Uh, but that's still happening because the, you know the one thing that we all have in common is our critical thinking skills. And when you compare students, you know trying to find out who's college ready, you have to be a good critical thinker. And so these tests actually, as a homeschooling parent, be thankful for them because they could look at your transcript and say, "How do I know y'all didn't make that stuff up? you know, and they don't. so I, I, they're very, very important. We had that exact
0: experience, so when we took my daughter's information to try to gain admission to a college they were having an in-person meeting and i felt like you know this was my first go around maybe i should do this in person and it might go better so um we met with them in person we took her information and that was one of the things that they mentioned is that they like to see the test scores because they they have no idea what our courses consist of as homeschoolers so Just kind of throwing this in there. I learned from that experience when I do create my homeschool, high school transcripts to make a course description. And that sort of helps those college admission officers a little bit to see exactly what you did teach. But still, even with the course descriptions, it comes down to the test.
1: That that is the bottom line. That was what happened to us when my son, you know, they kept going back to the fact that, oh, this is great. Your transcript is great. Your portfolio is great. But what's your test score? What is your SAT score? Um, And you know, and I I I didn't know anything back in those days, but now I know the importance of the test. And this is why I'm such a big believer. And when I speak, one of the things that people come up to me probably the biggest thing that most people will say is, I wish I would have started earlier, Mm -hmm. because you know now we're at the end of our rope. We're scrambling. We're you know we're stressed. We don't know what to do. And I think as a homeschooling parent, incorporating test test prep or test taking techniques into your school will Totally uh, alleviate all those fears down the road when you get to high school because as your kids get older, they're going to get busier and and take on more responsibility and a job and sports and friends and clubs and church. And so, I'm definitely a big believer in starting your kids in middle school, possible even before high school. But even if you have a senior, you can still do very, very well. I've seen that happen. Uh, Test taking techniques are crucial because your students are going to be tested all their life not just getting to college, not just getting scholarship money. Maybe if they go into post grad school, med school, law school at their job someday. And what's funny is even though I teach SAT and ACT prep, some of the people some of the people over the years have come up to me and said, oh yeah, you know, we use your program on the CPA test or the real estate test or the ASFAB. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Hobby Lobby test that you have to take to work at Hobby Lobby. It's not because I know anything about any of that, but it's the fact that almost all standardized tests uh, are the same. They have a standardized questions and standardized answers. And there's going to be one objective, indisputable answer and several distractors. Mm-hmm. And once you learn that, and this is why it's a great class for all kids, so that when they are faced with some kind of standardized test, they're going to know how to approach it because it takes a different skill set. It is not like a normal test in school. That is why you get a lot of validatorians and really smart kids bombing it all the time. There's so many
0: ins and outs, but I feel like the resources that you've created Uh, your courses, don't you have like a boot camp and some other things that are going on on your website? Um, All of those things really do just, they make complete practical sense on how to help our homeschool high schoolers, our teens enter adulthood and be successful and not be loaded down with mountains of debt. You know, I'm very thankful for everything that you've put out there, all the information that you've made available to us. Because so far, with four kids in university, we owe maybe two thousand
1: dollars. That's incredible.
0: Yes, and That's- you know another thing that we tried to do with our kids, and I think you kind of touched on this at one point. Even if we got to the end, and, and you know we've done the FAFSA, and they applied for scholarships and other things, where you know took down the total bill and they owed a little bit, we always encouraged them to take that and ask for payments, and then they would get a job and try to pay it off by the end of the semester. And I know a lot of students might not be able to handle study load and workload, but I felt like encouraging our children to do that, not only helped them to, like you said, put skin in the game, um, take ownership of their own education, but it built a responsibility kind of that adulting. So it helped them, it helps them mature. And and granted that first, that first whole year of college is pretty intense. I have seen my children lose hair, lose sleep. Yeah. And, and
1: mom too, but mom with the first one going off, we're losing hair and sleep because we miss them. Oh my goodness. I I've been there. I I know that. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And, and there's also too, one of the things that to help uh, alleviate some fear from some of the parents, is there's so many things that you can do once you are already enrolled in college, mm-hmm. accepted to get more money. So there's hope. I mean, there's so many things that you could be doing, and uh, and whether it's a work study kind of like what you were talking about, or working outside at a part time job. But there's uh, you know you can appeal for more money, and appealing. Is where literally you can get. I, I was in California the last couple of years ago at a conference, and a lady came into my booth, and she said, "You probably don't remember me, but the year before, I." She said, "My daughter's in college, and we have no money. You know, we we need, we don't have a full scholarship. What do I do?" And I said, "Well, then appeal." And she came back the next year. She said, "We got ten thousand more a year just by appealing." So, wow. I've got all that in my new book. But I, I think um, there's also what's called a reaward pot, and that is if let's say. You know, a lot of students will interview for several colleges and maybe give be given scholarships from different colleges. Well, you can only go to one, and so that money that was going to be awarded to that student goes into what's called a reaward pot. They're going to reaward it to someone else. Mm-hmm. So you can actually go in and ask for that. Say, hey, I'd love to be uh, uh, thought uh, considered for that reaward pot. So that's just another little thing that, that families can do. So, uh, you know, even if they don't want to have any debt at all or they just want to minimize it. And then another thing that is really cool is that there are internal institutional scholarships that the colleges have. So a key is to really get familiar with the FAO, the, the uh, financial aid officer. Um, and then and they'll let you know, oh, by the way, these, these scholarships all just cropped up. And, you know, now you have some internal ones that you didn't even know about. So a lot of ways. To graduate debt free,
0: and like you mentioned, get to know your officer because they can help you with so much. We got to know ours on a first name basis. <laughs> so, yes, definitely truth right there. Well, I appreciate all of your insight and your encouragement. And as we kind of finish up today, do you have any final words of encouragement to our listeners about this whole idea
1: of preparing our students be as debt free as possible? Well, one of the things is, um, is is really make test prep a priority because even though I'm a homeschooling mom and I believe in, you know, your kids doing science and English and writing and all that, that's all important, but none of those courses will get you a free ride to college and it is your test scores. It, it is the, the uh, deciding factor in many, many cases. As a matter of fact, 85% of colleges will admit and give money simply based on a test score. Um, And so one of the things about testing is this, you probably have one or two students, you know, one student may be a really good test taker, they're the student that's very logically minded, it's kind of intuitive to them, and for those students, if they start early, uh, then that can really put them over the top, just learning a couple more little things. But then you may have your other student who is probably just as smart, but they are more of the rule follower. Those are the ones that stress about every question and they work at everything the long way. And so the great thing is they can train their brain to think logically because these are just logic tests. They're not about IQ. They're not about what school you go to. And as a, these rule followers st- stop second guessing themselves and they they train their brain because logic is not a personality trait. It, it is a skill like piano or golf. And starting those students early will help them lessen that test anxiety. So start test prep early, just because I'm on this end of it. And I, I, I see the other side of it. And I know what's happened to us and tens of thousands of people. Uh, but don't put this off, make test prep another class uh, in your school, because it can make all the difference in the world um, for your kids and help them obviously make get into college and get money. That's that's ultimately the goal. Yes, <laughs>
0: absolutely. So one thing I learned Um, from you saying that before, when I read your book, uh, we would just take the tests over and over. And so like the very first time they took the test and and we would take both of them, you know, ACT, SAT. And if they felt like they liked one better than the other um, and the college that they wanted to get into didn't really have a preference, I would just let them choose the one that they wanted to really pursue more. And we kind of used those first tests as a study guide, so mm-hmm. to speak, like you a baseline know, so yeah, yeah, so their baseline, and so what they felt like they did poorly on, we would circle back and do some more test prep on. Um, and then once they uh, once they took the test and kind of hit the same score a couple times, then we
1: quit. <laughs> I figured that was that was their their max score so. Well, no, and the great thing is um, every college takes SAT or ACT now. And if they do prefer one, what they'll do is they'll convert the score. So 1340 SAT is the same as a 29 ACT, so it doesn't really matter. I like what, I like what you say. That's exactly what I say. Is try them both. Both SAT and ACT have a free test on their website that you can just download and print up and have your ch- child take it on different days. Uh, and by the way, the the SAT was the SAT back in 2016 was written by ACT writers. So they're, they're pretty much 99% the same test, but the strategies that work on one work on the other, because there's that crossover of information. So some kids freak out about the science on the ACT, but you don't even have to know one iota of scientific knowledge. It's not even about science. It's really about the read, like the reading on the SAT. Uh, but yeah, get familiar with them and take either one. Doesn't matter. Colleges don't care. And most will super score. Most will take the high scores from different tests yeah. um, and give you, basically cherry picking the best score uh, score from your reading and your math and give you overall higher score, which is going to give you more money. So Mm -hmm. definitely, as you said, take it as many times as you can. I have a whole checklist on when to take the test, uh, you know, starting even in middle school if you can, but how often you should be taking them. Right. And so is that checklist on your website? Yes. If you, it's completely free. If you go to my website, collegeprepgenius.com roadmap that will guide you. And it actually starts you out in fourth grade. Some, some little cool things that you can be doing now that can set you up for the future. Yes. Awesome.
0: Thank you for joining us to remind our listeners as well, that we will be doing the series on high school every Wednesday afternoon through the month of April. And so we hope you can join us and here's to homeschooling right alongside you until next time.